Welcome to Political Football, uh, post-conference championship edition. We have a Super Bowl matchup set. It is the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. My finances are happy, but also happy is my co-host, Cleve. Cleve, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, it's been a, a newsworthy day, basically. Uh, you can um, say that. Yeah, but, you know, the cherry on top is you, you always got to sprinkle a little racism in there. You know, to make it just nice and fucking juicy. Okay, know? well, I'm about I'm about to uh, bring in producer Jeff next. Uh, for the audience, he is confirmed white, so let's not say he's introducing racism. Um, <laughs> we don't want this to be his last show. I also want people to listen to his podcast, The Hour. So to confirm, Jeff is not bringing the racism. That would be the NFL, which we'll get to shortly. But before that, producer Jeff, how are you today? Very, very white. <laughs> it's awesome all right so you don't have a care in the world and your vote counts that's great oh, oh exactly. man and i went to a, a golden corral and they were out of steak oh, they still have golden corrals bro no, listen, so, uh, did you make reservations did you make res- tell me you made reservations reservations you have to stand in line and they got to be able to see you behind the guy in front of you there we go who's like class a joint yeah no there, there's uh one of the stories we'll do in the hour this week is uh um, there was a fight that broke out at a Golden Corral in Pennsylvania because they ran out of steak. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A full on brawl. Furniture flying in the whole thing. But if For, you're um if you're getting steak at the Golden Corral, I mean your life is pretty much in shambles anyway. So Yeah. I like is, is it steak gonna hurt you. Is it steak or is it or is it grade A kangaroo? What's going on? <laughs> Holy shit. Full Horse on brawl. Huh? I, uh <laughs> Can confirm right. I have eaten a horse before in France where it's legal. Uh, it oh, is. Oh. Are you tough. kidding? Are you kidding? It's tough. It's t- you fucking kidding? Okay, so, you, okay, ate so I, you ate a pony, Dave? Oh my God. Sure. So before we get into the racism of the NFL uh, and Brian <laughs> Flores, which is what we're going to start with, we, we can get this out of the way. Here's the thing the only difference between eating some animals and not others, exempting human beings, is cultural. Like in India, you absolutely cannot eat a cow, and here you absolutely cannot eat a cat. Like, it, it just it depends on where you are. So in France, you can eat horse meat, and I was in France. They were like, "You want some horse meat?" I was like, "No, I'm nine, but I tried it anyways, and it was a little tough." That's all I'm saying. Like, I I don't know if I'd order it again at almost forty years old. Maybe, maybe hard. They're like, no, it's a horse. All right, what did you pair that with? I'm I'm just curious. I'm not because I I don't even eat red meat, but I'm just curious. So what you, what you have spread like like asparagus tips? Like, what did you have with that? Okay, well, going back to last week and how I'm confirmed to bougie when you said paired with, I thought you meant to wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the one hand, I was nine years old. On the other hand, it's France, so I could have done that. But uh, no, probably paired with macaroni and cheese, knowing me. <laughs> what I, I what type nothing. of wine does, does equine pair best with? Probably a nice uh, Chardonnay. Yeah, I was going to try to find a, a, like a horse. How do you say horse in French joke? Cheval? I don't know, but I, I couldn't find it. That's why I host this show and at the hour. Wow, <laughs> man, you learn things every day. I couldn't think of it either. Holy okay, shit. so now we're going to make this a very uneasy transition into the NFL and exceedingly racist practices. Um, we're not going to start with the games. This story just broke today when we're when we're recording, and this is political football, and I think this is actually the biggest story of the week. We will discuss the games during this episode, however. So Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was fired after three years Cleve, would you describe him as, as being like unsuccessful as a coach for the Dolphins? Not in my division. He actually kicked our ass a couple of times. Good. Uh, and for the listeners who we might just be picking up here, uh, Cleve is a notorious Tua hater. 
So the fact that he is saying that he doesn't think Brian Flores did a bad job, but he's kind of indisposed to dislike in the Dolphins gives you a general sense that we were surprised when Brian Flores was fired, was fired by the Dolphins, but he ends up being fired by the Dolphins. They say it's because he doesn't want to back to uh, ownership wants to back to uh, by the way, producer Jeff, the owner of the Dolphins is Stephen Ross from the Ross school of business at Michigan. So this is all U of M related. Oh, U of M doesn't have any controversy with football. Or no, never. Uh, no, that that, that would right? that that would never happen. Okay. Or money. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so the fired Brian Flores. So Brian Flores is on is on the market, and he has an interview scheduled with the New York Giants. It's scheduled on like a Thursday. On a Tuesday, he gets a congratulatory text message from Bill Belichick, head coach of the New England Patriots. That's like, hey, I heard the news. Congratulations. Brian Flores responds and says. Uh, do you know something I don't know, coach? And Belichick says, Giants? With all sorts of like question marks and exclamation marks and stuff. And uh, he want, Belichick wanted to say, yeah, I talked to my people in, in New York. I talked to people in Buffalo, and they say that you're going to be the guy. Well, it turns out that the guy that Belichick thought he was texting was Brian Dable, not oh, Brian man. Flores. Brian Dable is the offensive coordinator for the Bills and is white. It was already basically offered the position to such a point that Belichick knew about it. The issue with this is that the NFL has what's known as the Rooney rule, which means that you have to uh, interview at least one minority candidate for an open coaching position. And the thought was always, oh, the teams will just use these as like token interviews or something like that. And that's exactly what the Giants got busted here doing. They've already basically made up their mind to hire Brian Brian Dayball before Brian Flores, who's black, has even been interviewed. Cleve, when this story first broke, what were some of your very first thoughts about it? Well, well, first of all, I experienced something like this about 15, 16 years ago in the career that I have. For those that know me on the show, you guys know me as a trainer, but I'm actually in the corporate world. Training is a is a is a pastime that I've weaponized into a monetary gain for myself. But the long and short of it, I was interviewing for a position with a, a person, same ethnicity as, as mine. And I felt good about the interviews. I was traveling about 45 minutes each way to the interview at the time I wasn't working. So I really needed this gig. I go up to three interviews, which is not uncommon for property management. Cause sometimes you meet with the ownership group, like a regional manager or VP and someone in your portfolio, right? So I go up, go through this, jump through the hoops, whatever, and didn't get the job. You know, I called for some some good feedback to say, well, what could I have done better or what, you know, where did I drop the ball that I didn't get this thing? And they admittedly said, we actually had someone already in mind. And this was like an offline conversation. So I'm not using anyone's names. Or any, I mean, it's been a thousand years ago, but she basically said, um, we already had someone in mind, but we have to uh, unfortunately uh, interview qualified minority candidates. And she didn't, she didn't divulge that the person hired was white, black, or whatever, but she did divulge to me that it was kind of a mute point. You were just going through the motions. And I was like, I was more mad because I was wasting my time traveling to this place, 45 minutes, you know, with no money basically at this time. And, um, but the universe has a, a karma system that pays back tenfold because I think it was like three years to the day because I ended up getting a great job um, that actually 
that job actually brought me to Virginia eventually, like years later, but I ended up getting a great job. And I was contacted by our recruiting department that someone gave me, gave my name as a reference for a job. And I was like, really? And then the next day, the lady called me and was like, hey, I forgot, you know, I forgot to tell you that I, I applied to your company. Can you give me a, um, you know, can you give me like a good <laughs> recommendation? And this was a day after, but on my just saying no to the recruiter, that was it. They shut it down. They were because I was wow. a tenured employee and they said, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't think I don't think it would be a good fit. And that was it. So, you know, watch who you burn. My dad always told me when you kiss ass to the top, I'm sorry, when you crush, when you crush toes to the top, you'll have to kiss ass falling back down. So <laughs> that was my thing, you know? So I, getting back to, you know, Dave's question, uh, I felt that was messed up. Um, Belichick probably was just going through, you know, his normal channels, whatever, not knowing this is maybe nefarious or not, but the fact that this happens and, you know, we kind of see, you know, six or seven years ago, we had six coaches that were, um, you know, represented. Now we have, I think, two. I think it's just just uh, uh, Rivera in Washington and Mike Tomlinson. Those are the only two people of color, you know, what? and then, of course, Brian Flores when he got fired or whatever. But GM's a little better, but coaches, no. So, yeah, it's was, it was kind of fucked up. And I, I really hope that, um, something is made of this, but he's hedging his career now because he's going to burn this whole thing down. Yeah, that's and that's a very good point. I mean, this is actually a very courageous thing for him to do because he did a very good job with the Dolphins, especially considering the circumstances. Somebody would hire him again. I mean, the fact that the Giants were using him to to fit this rule is terrible, but somebody would will hire him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're talking about like, is our you know Leslie Frazier and Todd Bowles are coming back up? They're both uh, former head coaches who are black defensive coordinators had good success since they were fired from head coaching jobs. They're coming back up again. So certainly Brian Flores would be up again. So for him are to take kidding? a stand yeah. is is huge. And it's funny because you mentioned that you know you didn't like having to jump through the hoops. And Brian Flores in this lawsuit claims that the interview with the Giants is a sham and that he was humiliated by the process. I mean, imagine, Cleve, if you went through the entire process, but the position was for, like, something extremely high profile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, millions of people are waiting to hear what the result of it was. Mm-hmm. And then to find out you didn't get the job, you know what I mean? It's going to be all over social media and all that. And then you found out you were jumping through those hoops. Yeah, I mean, it was a box check. It was a box check. Like They just said, oh, guy's coming in, check the box. But we already got our guy. So... I'm not sure what Brian Flores should do from here. He had other interviews lined up. I have no idea. I mean, we know what the league did to Colin Kaepernick. You know, as soon as he brought a lawsuit alleging anything like this, he was completely blackballed. However, um, I don't think that he'd get blackballed in this case for a couple of reasons. One, I think his case is airtight. (laughs) And so they want to do anything like that. And two, I want to be very clear that I don't think the texts from Bill Belichick were malicious in any way. No, like, yeah, I, I agree was, with that. Right. He thought he was texting Brian Dayball to congratulate yeah. him, but he wasn't like, hey, I hear you got I hear you got hired before they interviewed the black guy. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So I think Brian Flores is still in Bill Belichick's good graces. And I think if the league tried to do something with Brian Flores, I think Bill Belichick might be like, Well, guess who's on my staff now? Tell me mm-hmm. something about it. 
Yeah. Here's the thing, man. <clears throat> and I, you know, I don't know if this is this is categorized as a whistleblower thing or not. If this particular situation is that, but when these things happen, you kind of get labeled as not like not a not a like a, a team guy or company guy or whatever it is. You know, when when you uh in sports, whether it's the four majors or or any other small minor sport, everyone kind of toes the line in a way. There's like a un, unspoken rules, but this is a little bit more egregious because, again, there's these coaches, whether they're black, Hispanic, women, whatever, they're gonna hire a staff at some point, and their career arc is you know, everyone's kind of hitching their wagon to this, to this thing. So when a coach gets fired, for those of you that, that don't know how this works, like it's not just one guy getting fired. It's like the entire, whoever came in with this person for the most part that the company deemed, well, we don't want all your guys here anymore. They all got to go. All, all their families got to go. You know, if they're living expense, I mean, their, their money gets cut off. So it's one of a, you know, 32 jobs that are unique to the, to this thing but again everyone should get a fair shot whether you're black white purple green man woman whatever non-binary whatever you are you should get a, a fair shake at doing it and again this guy wasn't like a scrub right he he, he, he did what he, he could with a team with a franchise that couldn't put anything on the field some years so yeah no i mean obviously yeah. brian flores uh proved himself to be at least able to win games with less than talent, which, um, you know, is we're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan, who's able to lose games with plus talent. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it, you know, it, they should not be giving Brian Flores the runaround at all. Like he is so provably qualified in this case that even helps his argument in court even more, but there's another antidote. And I don't know if you saw this cleave that is in this lawsuit, because it, they're trying to establish it, it's a pattern, right? It's not just mm -hmm. the Giants one time, but they're mm -hmm. suing the league, saying it's a league-wide problem. Yeah. So when he got the job with the Dolphins that same uh, offseason three years ago, he first interviewed with the Denver Broncos. Yes. And in this lawsuit, he alleges that John Elway, the general manager and Hall of Fame quarterback, showed up an hour late and hung over to interview him. Wow. The implication being that John Elway did not take this interview seriously Serious, yeah. because he already knew he's probably going to hire Vic Fangio and he just needed to get through and satisfy the Rooney rule and did not even show up, you know, properly for the interview for Brian Flores. And I, I mean, I got to say, like, you know, it's just it's just Brian Flores saying this about John Elway. But if this is true. I mean, John Elway probably should be terminated. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's just again, it's just, you know, this is something I mean, and, and for for those who are listening, you know, sometimes we we give a slighted kind of view of our lens. If you work hard at what you do, right, and anyone that's worked in athletics will know what I'm saying about this. It's it's a very competitive thing. I mean, the thing that you do is competitive in nature. But just being in your job is competitive because they can get a lot of people to do the same thing, more or less. So your dreams, your hopes, whatever you're riding on an interview, especially 
Brian Flores already had a shot at a head coaching job. So he has a, a, a little unique situation, but we're talking about Dave and I are, are at least I'd hope that we're talking about the same thing it, as someone who does not have that yet, who is striving to become that, who is, mm-hmm. who just wants a shot at to say, well, I can do this too. And for someone to pretty much shit on your dreams to, to, to not even give you a proper sit down, it's kind of messed up, man. And it's, 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 it's a league wide thing. And, and I think it's more the ownership groups. Um, it's a good old boys club, man. I mean, I can't, I can't really stress that enough because the league is 102 years old, but we're still hearing, oh, this is the first time we're going to do this, or this is going to happen, you know, for the first time. There's a, there's a, there's a female referee for the first time. I, come on now. Like, you guys are a hundred fucking years old already. <laughs> like let's, let's, let's move into like the next century already. You know? No, I agree with that. So I do want to read uh, the statement from Brian Flores, attorneys here. I think this is really well said. And I think mm-hmm. it, I think they are aware of what happened to Kaepernick and they're trying to cut it off before it even starts. And here's okay. the statement uh, quote, on the first day of Black History Month, it is our great privilege to represent Brian Flores and his class action complaint against the NFL. This case seeks to level the playing field in the hope that future owners and coaches will be representative of the athletes who are playing this great game. We fully expect coaches and players of all races to support Brian as he embarks on his journey to create positive change. End quote. Yeah, magnifying glass. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he's like, uh, by the way, all of y'all, like, oh, no, y'all know you need to back him and like, really stand with him. <laughs> this this could be a real problem for the NFL. Um, and a problem in, like, they're going to lose this court case <laughs> problem. It's good in the long run. I think it actually will help lead to more minority hiring in, in general. But this is going to be this is going to be a big problem. So I wanted to lead with this tonight just because this is brand new. It's, I mean, the story just broke today and it's such a big story actually drowned out Tom Brady yeah I, I didn't think that was nothing was going to be bigger than that today and I was when you text me that I'm like holy shit like I'm like looking like I'm you know I'm online I'm like whoa this this is real this is like happening I thought this is something that you you know it was like just alleged or whatever I didn't know it was a full-blown like Court yeah. documents. Uh, before we move on, like I just want to note that the NFL and the Dolphins have both released statements where they deny any sort of racial motivation, any sort of decision, sort of anything. I'm not going to read them because they're not interesting. They're, they're standard, like, who me yeah. sort of thing. Uh, but I do want to note that they have actually, not, they're not no commenting. They've come out yeah, and said. They, they, well, you have to say something. You can't. You can't have that happen and like not like respond or anything. So you you know it's expected that the PR people have to put something together real quick. They have those templates now in office. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it happens so yeah. often. Clippy comes yeah. up. Uh, we we looks like you're trying to apologize for some racial stuff. Would you like help? <laughs> I don't think Here that's in the go. version of office that we get. <laughs> there we go, reaching baby. <laughs> That's uh, we only get we only get the free online version. We don't get the full <laughs> racial apology download with the licensed version. That's the the corporate version. That's all. That's awesome. Oh man, so good. all right. And so speaking of speaking of bad versions of good things, it's time to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Oh man, as we oh. as we transition into into the games here. So AFC Championship game. First of all, credit to Cleve who said going into the playoffs, the Super Bowl will be the Packers versus the Bengals. And to be honest, 
I think getting the Bengals right is worth a round of applause. So congratulations. Give me your flowers. The Thank whole thing. Sure. So the Bengals 27, the Chiefs 24. This game, a tale of two halves for the Chiefs. So the uh, Bengals were not particularly good in this game either. I mean, that's one thing to know. Like, the Bengals played terribly. And so when the Chiefs were good, they were putting on in the first half. They were 21 to 10 at halftime. It should have been up by more than that. But because the Chiefs then played terribly themselves, it allowed the Bengals to uh, to come back. So at halftime, Patrick Mahomes was 18 of 21 for 220 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. In the second half in overtime, he was 8 of 18 for 55 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. This dude went into the locker room and came out as Zach Wilson. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the liberties this guy takes. No, no, you're right. You're right. It was, I actually got the chance to watch the game yesterday because I was in class uh, on the actual live day. And I'm glad like you know, like you guys didn't recap it for me, but I got to see it. Um, yeah, you would have thought that someone threatened his life or the <laughs> life of his family. How did Biggie say it? Got your family in the Brooklyn basement. It's something like that where I'm like, wait, like what happened? Like what happened? Like, are you guys trying to lose this game? Like he's doing too much. Like he was running around, like that whole squip scramble thing. I'm like, what are you? You're not Frank Tarkton. Like, what are you doing? But um, I just and I, I've been telling you guys this for the entire season and some of last year, as good as he is, as good as a talent he is, I don't think he's like. He has to separate street ball from professional football. He's a quarterback playing quarterback. Joe Burrow showed you how quarterbacking should be done when you're down. Like this guy will the team back. You know, pretty sure a lot of his a lot of his players like, man, this is over. We're getting routed right here. You know, we're in enemy territory. We're getting our asses kicked. And um he wanted it more. He wanted it more. But you're right. Taylor two halves. Totally different ball game. Second half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am hesitant to ever say that professional athletes have choked, mainly because I like to give credit to the team that came back mm-hmm. and win. But this is a choke job. I mean, the the um the deficit wasn't as much, but this is on the same level as the Oilers blowing that game against the Bills. Oh in yeah. The early 90s. Good you reference. Know, the good numbers reference. weren't as big. Uh, but yeah, uh, good producer Jeff actually knows that team. That was Haywood Jeffries and Warren Moon uh, from Tecmo Bowl. So, oh, yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, like Howard Dean cannot believe the lead that the Chiefs blew in this game. It was just absolutely, <laughs> um, just absolutely terrible. So, the Bengals, they really screwed up their game plan. In this game, they ran the ball on first down 10 times in the first three quarters. Eight of those times, they gained three yards or less. So they consistently kept Burrow behind this behind schedule with a shaky offensive line. Now, to his credit, he only got sacked one time in this game. Remember, mm-hmm. last game, he got sacked nine times. No, so him not, not yeah, so him, like, avoiding sacks, because really, he avoided the sacks and ran a lot. Him much, avoided yeah. it. it was a huge, a huge difference in this game. <clears throat> but like the tale of two halves things just continue. So Tyreek Hill in this game 
ended with seven catches for 78 yards and one touchdown. Seven, 78, and one. Cleve, how many catches, yards, and touchdowns did he have in the first half? I would say probably four catches, um, 100 yards. Seven, 78, and one. He never touched the ball after halftime. Wow. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like Patrick Mahomes, obviously, it was I mean, it was terrible. His, the mm-hmm. second half of this game was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. And when you mm-hmm. adjust for the skill level of the player, it, it's mm-hmm. truly horrendous. And he mm-hmm. should come in for a lot of heat. Andy Reid should as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the heck happened here. Like, I watched this game went live. I watched the highlights like three times. I've gone over my notes. I cannot figure out why all of a sudden the Chiefs could not do anything in the second half. Cleve, do you have any explanation for I mean, why the Chiefs just fell apart? Just, I mean, just from a sporting, uh, you know, sporting um, perspective, I think that the route was on and they just felt like we got these guys where we got them. So we're just going to just beat the shit out of them. And when that, um, when that breakaway run, that jailbreak run, I was like, okay, I see where the momentum is starting to shift. And again, you're, you're home. You're an arrowhead, like you're home. And part of like, part of the, where was like the Patrick Mahomes that was like in the Bills game. Like, where was that guy? Like, where was that guy coming on the field? Like, okay, these guys are are roaring back. Let's get it. And at the coin flip for overtime, the crowd reacted like they knew that they had it, which made it even worse because of what I was like, bro. Um, Other than you didn't take them seriously and you you had them on the mat and you just felt like, okay, I'm just going to walk away here and it's over. It's not over. I am, um, as you guys know me, I mean, you know, you've known me now for five years, Dave. I am the boomer take. I am, I don't, I don't like, <laughs> you know how like when, when somebody is um, running the score up, I actually believe in, unless like you're, you know, you're up like 58 to three and you just like, you know, starters are in and you just, you know, you're killing them. I believe in this, make a stop. You want to stop this bleeding, make a stop, make a play, show them that you guys are still in this fight, even if you're down four touchdowns, whatever it is, make a stop. Um, <laughs> they deserve to lose this game the way that second half went. And if they oh, yeah. if they think, if they actually thought in that locker room at the end of that game that they deserve to win that game, <laughs> they're delusional. They're delusional. An average game, an average game from Jimmy G, the Chiefs win this game by 10 points. Yep, I agree. An with average that. game from Jared Goff. Honestly, honestly, if if Patrick Mahomes rolled his ankle in the locker room and White Mike came out for the second half, they probably win. <laughs> I mean, he was he was so bad here in the second half. And the thing that that I thought might have happened. So at the end of the first half, they're mm-hmm. up twenty one to ten. They get the ball back under the two minute warning. They drive down the field. They have no timeouts and like first and goal from the six or something. Mm-hmm. They call this terrible swing pass to Tyreek Hill. He gets tackled inbounds. Time runs out. They don't get any points. Now, they had that opportunity, and then they also got the ball to open the second half, and they went three and out there as well. So they really could have been like 35 to 10 before the Bengals ever touched the ball again. And, like, is there a chance that their failure to do that just, like, seeped in or energized the bank? I mean, I, I don't really like feelings ball stuff. I really do try to look for, like, logical 
math and strategy based reasons for why things happen, but I can't mm-hmm. find one here. So like, could the entire team be have been deflated from something like that? You know, like I said, the only the only logical thing for me is that they thought they had it. I mean, look at look at the Atlanta New England Super Bowl. Oh, we're gonna talk guys, about that. Yeah, you had guys on the on the sidelines. You had guys on the sidelines, literally taking their shit off, like like this game wasn't being still being played. And because I I've saw the miracles in the, at the Meadowlands, I saw Vinny Testaverde bring my Jets back in a game, and I've saw Frank Reich twice bring teams back from like enormous deficits. Like you play to the whistle till the game is over. So like the 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 last whistle is blown and you're off the field. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, same as a, as a person who's been rooting for Matt Stafford for the last 13 years, who is the most clutch fourth quarter overtime quarterback in the league. It's just the Lions only win like four games a year. Nobody ever watches them, but he, he's got the most for that. Like you do, you always have to be looking for that. So this game ends up going to overtime. The Chiefs actually need to kick a field goal at the buzzer to send it to overtime after having him crush. So there's two things about this. First, Darren Rovell tweeted that a better going into halftime bet $200,000 on the Chiefs money line, meaning the Chiefs just needed to win the game. The return on this bet, 10 grand. So he bet 200,000 to win 210,000. He thought he was getting a free $10,000 and ended up losing $200,000 on this. So, sucks to be that guy. And the second thing is that when the Chiefs won the coin toss, the official Twitter account for the Chiefs tweeted in all caps, we won the coin toss. Damn. Uh, Cleve, you mentioned that you had something to say about the overtime rules. Since the Chiefs won the coin toss but lost the game, I'm very curious as to what you have to say about these rules today. As I always say, make a stop, man. And the Bengals made a stop. This is exactly why I don't like, I think the rule is fine. Obviously it could be tweaked a little bit or whatever it is to, to make the product more exciting, but it puts a finality and it puts each team on notice that, okay, this game is in overtime. It can end just by a score, but you have to be poised to score. You have to be methodical in your approach because again, when you text me <laughs> that um Megs was like, oh, you know, something about that. and I was like, make a stop. That was like, I think that was like my <laughs> my thing right to you. I was like, no, I said boomer take, make a stop. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh for the listeners out there, Megan was highly invested in this game once the Bengals came back. I mentioned on the show last week that I needed a Bengals Ram Super Bowl to have a chance at first place in this tournament. So when the Chiefs were winning and killing them but the 98% chance to win the game at, at halftime, she wasn't interested. As soon as this game goes to overtime, she was right there. And so when this interception happened, she has asked me four times if I'm going to talk about the two players who intercepted this ball on the podcast because she doesn't watch football. This is like the most important play in history, mm-hmm. right? So first in overtime, Patrick Mahomes targets Demarcus Robinson on first and second down. Pure dust ball theory. Demarcus Robinson is a traffic cone. Like, what are you doing in these mm-hmm. high leverage spots trying to throw the ball to Demarcus Robinson? You have Tyreek Hill. 
you have Travis Kelsey, you have Jarek McKinnon, you even have Miko Hardman. Like, yeah. don't even, like, the Marcus Robinson is out there to occupy a defender. He's not actually a target. Like, he does not even need to be in your line of vision. You was he double, wasn't he double covered? No, so on third down, he then tried to force it to Tyreek Hill way down the field. Oh, yes, and yes. he was double covered. Double covered, yeah. Uh, by Von Bell and Jesse Bates the third. I want to make sure you get the names in for Mayan, uh, who ended up deflecting the ball and intercepting the ball inside of the Bengals. And the Bengals turn around, two passes to T. Higgins, three runs from Joe Mixon, set up Evan McPherson, kick the field goal, win the game. And I don't want to overlook the fact, because we talk so much about the Chiefs and the choke job and how bad they were. I do think that's the story of the game. But as soon as the game has ended, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Cleve, just say it out loud. It sounds ridiculous. Go for it. Yeah. The- <laughs> Joe Burrow in his second year, because remember on this show a season ago, we talked about, well, at least I talked about, I won't put that on you and Matt. I talked about how he's probably going to be a little skittish coming off the knee. You know, (laughs) I came back like he never was injured. (laughs) He had a season like he was never injured. You know what I'm saying? Like he, and I think you said, so I'll give you your flowers. You said he'll be just fine. He'll make his adjustments. He'll know that this is the NFL. This is not the SEC. He's not going to run around with these, you know, 280-pound monsters coming at him. So he's going to adjust his game, and he'll be just fine. You d- you did say that. So give you your flowers, man. Um, I just thought that for some reason, I think we everyone overlooked how this kid has something to prove. And he doesn't have, like, a, a backstory where – there's a big chip that needs to be put on his shoulder. But when they're talking about all these quarterbacks now, like he wasn't even mentioned. And the season he had, the season that they had, it's like, why was this guy not mentioned? You know, with the with the others, because we're all, you know, talking about the Tom Brady's of the world and and the and the uh well and there's the others. Good, yeah, there's a good reason for that. And that is because to start the season. Mm-hmm. The Bengals were an established the run team, which is terrible. Unless you're like the Ravens or the Titans or the yeah. Browns, you should not be trying to establish the run. You should be throwing the football, especially when you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and D. Higgins and Tyler. Yeah. You should be throwing the football because it's towards the end of the year where he put like back to back 500 yard games, right? If he had done that to open the season, we probably would have been talking about him, you know, the, the entire time. So they finally opened it up for him towards the end of the year. So, the three of us here, we are all fans of just inept franchises that cannot win. I'm a fan of the Lions. They have never been to the Super Bowl. The Jets went to the Super Bowl before Cleve was born, which is impossible. But before Cleve was born, they went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then Jeff, I believe, is also a Lions fan. But, Jeff, your dad is a huge Cleveland Browns fan. Can you just speak to, like, how your dad would react if the Browns ever made it to the Super Bowl? So uh, my dad's 65 and uh, I would worry if the Browns ever made it to the Super Bowl because he wouldn't have anything left to live for. He's been a a Cleveland Browns fan his entire life. When they moved to Baltimore, he, I think he hates the entire state of Maryland now. Like he's just through and through and he's, he's from, he's, he's nearby Cincinnati. So it's, it's weird that he's, he's got Cleveland, Cleveland fans. I think his dad was a Browns fan too. So it kind of runs in the family that way. Um, but yeah, that last year when they, when they 
made it to the playoffs and they did so well, like he was just beside himself. He was so happy. Yeah. And it's funny last year, the Browns didn't make the playoffs. They lost in the divisional round to the chiefs and the chiefs had a fourth down. They needed to convert to seal the game and Patrick Mahomes threw the ball to Tyreek Hill. It's like, Oh, last year they knew what to do. They didn't throw it to Demarcus <laughs> Robinson when they needed to right to beat the Browns and Jeff's dad. <laughs> right. Also, my dad uh, never refers to the Bengals as the Bengals. He calls them the bungholes. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, your dad, though, greatest running back to ever live was a Cleveland Brown, Mr. Jimmy Brown. I didn't know Barry Sanders ever played for the Browns. I thought he played his entire career with the Lions. <laughs> Jimmy Brown is the greatest fo- the greatest running back to ever live. We could we can debate that till the cows come home, brother. I mean that we might have to get into this in the in the offseason. Oh yeah, fair. Barry Sanders himself says Jim Brown is the best running back ever. So that does sort of undercut my argument. However, my argument would be like turn on a screen and watch him. Uh, and this is not saying anything bad about Jim Brown. <laughs> Jim Brown, fantastic running back. Uh, like it's not like Emmett Smith, who was overrated, had a great offensive line, was average on a great team. <clears throat> All right, so Jim Brown is great. So you okay. know I'm an errors. So you know I'm an era guy because I'm always about the era. The, in the era that Jim Brown played, in the nine years that he played football, he was never seriously injured, and the guy didn't even wear knee pads. All right, yeah. that to yeah. me makes him the greatest <laughs> running back ever. But his 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 uh his per yards um per carry is ridiculous to this day. It's ridiculous in in that era of football because a lot of the like going for the knees and stuff like you were literally trying to injure someone like you. You wanted a guy of the game, like it was bounty gate every game. Legally. So I, I've mentioned this on the uh, on the show before, but just for any l- new listeners, I love Jim Brown. And when people talk about like comparing players from yesterday and today, because Jim Brown is like the same height, weight, and speed as Derrick Henry. Yeah. So we could think, what would Derrick Henry be like playing in the 1950s? There we go. Oh, oh, we have footage. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's Jim Brown. So yeah, this is a. Uh, um, you can tell that we are not used to our teams ever making the Super Bowl because it's coming oh, yeah. up, and we're talking about which of our running backs was best eighty years ago or something. <laughs> yeah, um, which one but, of those running backs won a Super Bowl, by the way? Oh well, I, obviously neither of them. They play for the Browns yeah, and the Lions. Right, right. Yeah. So were could they be the best if they never won a Super Bowl? Yes, but they can't be the greatest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Greatest, best is a measure of skill and talent. Greatest yeah. is. Greatest is a measure of accomplishment as well. That's why Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play. He is not the best. Uh, Speaking of the best quarterback to ever play, we have the 49ers 17 at the Rams 20. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16 of 30, 232 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Not terrible, but man, did he miss some wide open uh, throws. Like he missed Kittle for a long touchdown on the first drive. Is this a is this in the current game or the Super Bowl that he played in before? Because he was missing guys then. That, that's that's a fair point. This is the current game at, for right now. That other thing's <laughs> going to come up in a second. So he misses Kittle for a, what probably would have been a long touchdown. I mean, Kittle probably had to shake a dude, but he's George Kittle. Probably would have done it. Then he throws a hospital ball, hospital ball to Debo Samuel late in the second quarter. Gets him absolutely crunched. This is actually hilarious because the broadcast was just talking about how Debo was on Twitter taking up for Jimmy G and then Jimmy G got him murdered on the field. But like, Cleve, when you were watching this game, 
even though the 49ers were winning, did it ever really feel like they were going to be able to pull this off? Because, and I don't hate Jimmy G. I think he's, you know, he's, he's okay quarterback, right? I just think some things, and I'm going to use your word, Dave, is inevitable. It's like, it, this is going to get messed up and it's going to be Jimmy G's kind of his fault. You know, like I, I'm not going to put the entire, because some of the play calling, but again, if you're missing wide open guys, I mean, that's points. And you always, you always preach to this. Like those are, if not points, those are down the distance to get points because you're stretching, you're opening the defense and you're, and you're moving the ball. It's just like, he's, just that guy like he's just a guy he's just a guy you said took a couple of weeks ago that is he a, is he a top 15 guy he, you said he's number 16 i think it was yes he is the fulcrum around which everybody else moves yeah. he is always yeah. the exact middle he's like he's the Luke skywalker <laughs> dark yeah, and light side zero. perfect <laughs> is that zero or zero in acid i don't know to be honest i had to cheat off of jeff in chemistry to even pass in high school so like <laughs> I, I honestly don't know but whatever it is he's neither an acid nor a base he's he's right there that's even what i'm supposed to be talking about also both my parents are pharmacists and i don't know anything about chemistry so that's probably not a good sign I mean, he's dog shit, so just you can just leave it at that. Okay, I think so. You went from he's a good quarterback to he's dog shit in the phrase of one in the space of one conversation. I love it. I think yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo um, and his uh, namesake Janine Garoppolo um, both <laughs> sort of just never reached their full potential. Like I always thought she could be greater than she was as a comedian in the '90s, mm. just because their, their their names are so similar. You see. Mm. Yes. So I actually agree with you. And I think Janine Garofalo was ahead of her time. And if she had been really like famous and active with social media and Twitter and TikTok, she'd have been a lot more famous. Yeah, but she's a boomer, True. so she's not. Wow. That's, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, speaking of boomers, we have Kyle Shanahan, uh, who was not a boomer, but he coaches like it. So, Cleve, how many times do you think the 49ers punted in this game? From the Rams side of the field. Six. Six times? Okay, yeah. obviously also a boomer. Uh the correct <laughs> answer should always be zero. Unless it's like fourth and eighteen. <laughs> like you should almost never punt from the opponent's side of the field. He punted from the Rams side of the field three times. The last time was a fourth and two with thirteen thirty to go in the game, up seventeen to fourteen. And that is what cost them the game. You cannot give away possessions in general in football. And you especially cannot give away possessions when your quarterback is not good. And you especially, especially cannot give away possessions when your quarterback is terrible in the fourth quarter. Jimmy G in the fourth quarter of this game, three of nine for 30 yards and an interception. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh... So <laughs> again, Cleve's at a loss for words, ladies and gentlemen. Trying you know to compute what? how bad those numbers are in his head. You, you know what? Because it's it's not you know like you get so far in the season, you get so far in the playoffs, right? For this type of play to show up, and this is not only for Jimmy G, but this is also for Patrick Mahomes in his in his second half because he he played lights out the first half, and I don't he fell apart. But Jimmy G, I have a friend that's a um, 
a Niners fan, and he actually said this two weeks ago. He says, if we don't go far, it's because he actually predicted. So I gave him the keys to the DeLorean, and he went to the future, and he saw that they were going to lose because of the game, of the of the play, that this, you know, like you – Jimmy G, again, he's not the kind of quarterback that you're going to, the game's on the line. I'm going to put this in your, did you feel that in that last sequence that he could have gotten anything off with Aaron Donald and everyone bearing down on him? Like you, you, you actually think that he could have converted that? So uh, the very last forever? play, no, I actually don't hold him too, too much at fault for the final play. Although that play is like a perfect microcosm of him as an experience, like, he is unable to run away from the pressure, throws up a desperation pass that gets intercepted. But because of the situation, it was already third and 13. You do not want to take a sack. Like, even if you just have to throw it away and make it only fourth and 13, also they had no timeouts. So the clock was going to be running on, like, fourth and 21. So, like, absolutely do not take a sack. So I don't hate him trying to get rid of it. And he actually got it kind of close to the running back, too. But the thing is, the reason we don't see – Tom Brady and Peyton Manning or even Aaron Rodgers make plays like that is because they're never in the position to have to make plays like that. Because first and second down would have been such disasters that they're in third and 13 with no timeouts and 80 yards to go against Aaron Donald in the first place. Steve, the thing about, and I said this a couple weeks ago, when you have um, two or three strikes at getting to midfield or getting downfield, one of those chances you may draw API mm-hmm. because it's when you're, you know, when it's an all out blitz and it's in the, and it's an all out jailbreak, it's a 50, 50 ball at, at that point. And someone's going to make the mistake of either hitting a receiver that's not being thrown to or hitting the receiver that the, that's being targeted. So again, no one, feared them and i think you said this a couple weeks ago you said that they're soft like well i don't know if it was them or the chart you said someone was soft uh it was the chargers it was the chargers okay you said they were soft in that moment jimmy g got soft because again your season is on the line but you're right you're 100 right it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been that down the distance to begin with and he shouldn't have been put into position knowing that his skill set is not that of a of a Josh Allen that, you know, of a Patrick Mahomes in the clutch moment. Like he's not that clutch guy. So, you know, try to get the, try. If I'm the coach, I'm like, listen, 50, 50 ball sidelines. Don't throw to the middle of the field. So the sidelines that we can draw a PI here. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally, I totally agree with that. Uh, with that assessment. Uh, so I do want to, um, Talk about the Rams here for a second. Of course, they did win the game. They are going to the Super Bowl. So congratulations uh, to the Rams. It was a hard-fought road victory at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles with the clearly San Francisco crowd. That was absurd. <laughs> I mean, it was like 70% San Francisco in there. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I went to that stadium earlier this year, and it was like 40% Lions fans. But I was like... You know, the Lions come to the West Coast, the first time they've been out here in a long time, brand new stadium, maybe we're showing up. I mean, week 18, that stadium was over with San Francisco 49ers fans. Uh, once this game was set after the week, the games last week, the Rams actually put blocks on who could order tickets. You had to have a billing zip code in Los Angeles County to buy tickets for the game. Wow. 
I don't know how long the uh, NHL as well, because so many Red Wings fans were showing up to um, like Tampa Bay games. Because so many transplants are down there from Michigan, right? So they they had you have to have like a zip code on your on your credit card as like a local one or in Florida at least. Wow. So yeah, so Cleve, that that's a good question for you. Uh, what the hell is up with that? Like, shouldn't they be able to just fill the stadium with their own fans? They should. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, unless unless they're charging, like you said, for that brownie, they're charging, you know, that well, nasty. The brownie. owner did move them from St. Louis to L.A. because it's supposed to be better and make more money or whatever. But if you can't get, I like, they have a problem in St. Louis selling out with St. Louis fans. I I, I don't get it. Like, so is I'm that an eighty thousand? Is that an eighty thousand seat stadium? It's big. I don't know if it's eighty, but it's it it, it was it was it's big. I gotta look that up. I think it's eighty thousand. Wow. Right. They, okay, go ahead. So Jeff and Cleve are now both producing the show while the show is going. So um, <laughs> while they're doing that, I will mention a couple of the stat lines from this game. First and foremost, we have Cooper Cup, 11 catches, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. And I know that the voting for MVP is already done, and I know Aaron Rodgers is going to win. But we just have to admit at this point, that the MVP award is a quarterback award. Cooper Cup is the most valuable player in the NFL, hands down. He is the most irreplaceable to his team. I would have argued Mahomes before what happened on Sunday. But if the Super Bowl were to start and Cooper Cup were to roll his ankle on the first play and be up for the game, how fast would we all rush to bet the Bengals to win? Right? I mean, yeah. Cooper Cup is the difference. And why people want, think the Rams are going to win, right, Cleve? Yeah, I mean he's, I mean he's he's amazing, man. He's you know, I remember that year he got hurt, and I was like, I was like, man, is this like the like new number one guy? And he came back, man. Like he came back like better. He came back better. I mean, I, <laughs> he's made some amazing plays, man. Amazing play. I mean, I know OBJ's on the team, and that's. But when, you know, he's drawing target, I mean, sorry, drawing um, coverage, you know, leaves OBJ open and stuff like that. But it's like this guy is like the biggest moment, the brightest lights. He's still he's he's out there to ball. He's out there to ball. He should be. the. If you weren't picking a quarterback, I agree with you. Hands down. He should be the MVP just on just on the season that he had. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think even if you were, are picking a quarterback. I think that he is well, the see, most valuable player. See, I mean, when you because the great Tom Brady, what he did in his in this season, leading statistically every category for a quarterback <laughs> at 44 fucking years old, like that's something to behold. And brought his team back in to almost win and and advance. You know, yes. Uh, two counter arguments. One, Tom Brady's going to finish second to Aaron Rodgers, and two. Tom Brady was eliminated from the playoffs by Cooper Cup. That's true. I can't so, get out there. You know, I just think like if we if we're just gonna make it a quarterback award, that's just make it a quarterback award and, and, and be done with it. You know, but I think if we're really gonna pick the most valuable player, I mean, TJ Watt should be in the conversation. I mean, the Steelers didn't do very good. They didn't make the playoffs and they wouldn't do it without his 47 sacks or whatever he had. So he should be in the conversation too. Now the Rams had another good receiver uh, performance in this game. 
Odell Beckham Jr. had nine catches for 113 yards. That is his first 100-yard game since week six of the 2019 season. Yeah, that's crazy. Cleve, does this count as a guy helping himself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's also an indictment on fucking Browns. It's it's yeah. it's an indictment. It's a it's a because you know what you had, and this is the Browns. You have Landry and Odell on the book ends, and you're not targeting these guys. Baker's arm should have fell off in the time that he had these two receivers. <laughs> his arm should have been a noodle, bro. Seriously, his arm should have fucking fell off because I'm like I'm just throwing bombs, dude. Like yo, get open. You know how Culpepper and Moss just get under it. There was no right. route tree for Moss. Hey man, get under it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put some air on this. Get it. But no, in all seriousness, like I'm, I can't say I'm happy for him. What I am is that he's humbled himself in a way to become a part of a team and to just shut up and play ball because all the antics, all the bullshit. You know when he left the lion. I'm, I'm sorry, on the Giants, and got to Cleveland. They Those sent them his words. They sent him there to die. <laughs> they sent him there to die. And yeah. it it almost happened. His career almost got, you know, finished. You know, now I loved I love what you said about a guy helping himself, meaning he woke up. Right. In the, and then in the last quarter of this season, like I'm going to the Super Bowl. But when he woke up in the, in the beginning of the season, he didn't even know he target shares to have a thousand yards, probably, you know. Yeah, Good so him, uh, this is obviously a podcast and not visual, so the sight gag doesn't work quite as well. But <laughs> we know that Baker Mayfield does some commercials, and the theme of them is that he lives at the stadium, and the line is at home with Baker Mayfield. So somebody, I don't remember who tweeted, a still image of Odell Beckham celebrating going to the Super Bowl, and then a still image of <laughs> Baker Mayfield in the commercial that said at home with Baker Mayfield. Oh, man. That, and I thought it was brutal, but but perfect. Like, everybody <laughs> was all over Odell as if he was the problem. He was the issue. Not just personality-wise, but football-wise. And I think that you said that he sort of stopped the antics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that's true. I think that he's in an organization now that respects him. And so the antics aren't really antics. Like, they just welcome personnel, like Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Right? They just that's okay. You can sort of be yourself there. I think that he's realized he's like 20 or 29 now, had a couple bad knee injuries. Yeah. I think he's adapted to the type of player he is now, and he's modified his game around that, and he has really helped himself because he's probably going to get a nice like three-year contract from somebody this offseason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing about here's the thing about his his exit from Cleveland, right? that I always thought was funny. So the organization and Baker were butthurt, but that video of what his dad put together, that montage, it didn't lie. The guy, the guy wasn't getting any targets. Like, right. like no, like there was truth to that. Like this guy's open. He's running, he's running past guys. And I'm like, you're not even getting the ball to him. Like, so yeah, you know, maybe he shouldn't have put the, you know, put it out into the public sphere, but he didn't lie. He didn't lie. You know, and you sided with the wrong guy. <laughs> Baker, Baker might even get a great contract this year. Well, next year. So who knows? It's crazy. This also bro. speaks to uh, Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford is very good at getting the best out of his wide receivers. 
most wide receivers Stafford has played with now have had their best years playing with him. Calvin Johnson only played with him. Oh, that's not true. Calvin Johnson was the Lions for two years before Stafford showed up. Yeah. One of them was 0-16. Yeah. So he got his best years with Stafford. Golden Tate, best with Stafford. Kenny Galladay so far, best with Stafford. Cooper Cup gets Stafford, just explodes into white Jerry mm-hmm. Rice. Like, mm-hmm. and that's I'm a pejorative. Like, it was fantastic, you know. And I think that that is something that the people who don't really watch Matt Stafford that much need to be aware of. He makes the skill position players around him so much better. He, like, unlocks their ability Mm -hmm. through his. So while I think he might only be, like, the ninth best quarterback in the league, he maximizes what his receivers can do. So if you put him with great wide receivers, you're going to get really good results, which is what you saw in this game. I'll give you one better. He, um, he made, so like Odell basically had Eli Manning and Baker Mayfield, all right? Two mm-hmm. stark different quarterbacks, whatever, but their arms are not Matthew Stafford. That's and a bit of an understatement. That's like this, saying I'm not as tall as LeBron. Yes, that is true. So, yeah. So <laughs> at the, at the end of it, you can actually see this guy. Like, I think you said this a couple of weeks ago. Like he Odell's due for one of the Odell type performances, and it might be in the Super Bowl where this guy just explodes, like just it's well, you like you know what it, from your lips to my bank account because <laughs> my team does not have Cooper Cup, but it does have Odell Beckham. So nice. if they want to flip roles here for a second, that'll be just fine for me and the misses. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now the last thing I want to touch on for this game is Kyle Shanahan. We talked about them punting from the Rams territory. Already, never a good thing. Cleve, three of the last four times a team has blown a double-digit four-quarter lead in the conference championship or the Super Bowl. Obviously, the 49ers were up 17-7 to to start the fourth quarter in this game, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Who was the head coach of the 49ers? It's not your question. Who is it? Oh, the 49ers? Yeah, right now. Oh, what, oh right now? Yeah. Shanahan. Right. Okay. The last time before this, a team blew mm-hmm. a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter at a championship game or a Super Bowl was the Super Bowl two years ago, the 49ers against the Chiefs. Who was the coach of the 49ers? Shanahan. Exactly. The time before that, somebody else. doesn't matter. Then before that was Super Bowl 51, where the Atlanta Falcons blew the 20-3 lead to the New England Patriots. Who was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons? Shanahan. So there's this amazing stat about Lloyd Carr at Michigan that I'm not sure ended up being accurate by the time he retired, but late into his tenure, like 05, 06, he retired uh, after the 06 season, uh, 07 season, after the 07 season. Michigan with Lloyd Carr's coach was more likely to win a game that they were down by 10 in the fourth quarter than in a game they were winning by 10 in the fourth quarter. Wow. And the reason is because you try to run the clock, you try to turtle, and you get away. Like, the 49ers, their two best players are Debo Samuel and George Kittle. To get them the ball, you have to throw it to them, right? Those Atlanta Falcon teams, it's Julio Jones. You have to mm-hmm. throw it to Julio. Yeah. You know, the Kyle Shanahan is a great, great designer of plays. Gets the best out of his talent. 
gets people in the space. He made a Super Bowl and a conference title game with Jimmy G as his quarterback. <laughs> he can obviously scheme like nobody's business. I have defended him as being a sharp coach on the show and offline. I can no longer do that after this. This is now a pattern. He blows leads because he's too conservative with them. I can second that. And I told you guys, we've seen the Jimmy G show already. With with We've seen this combination already. And we've seen games where, in, well, I'm sorry, in the Super Bowl where Jimmy G just couldn't get the ball. I, I don't know if he just doesn't see it or whatever it is. So Shanahan should have said what you did, what you said, and started Trey Lance. Yep. Beginning of the fucking season. And just right. worked it. Because that would have been their chance to like actually have a um, higher ceiling outcome, which is a bit unfair when you lose the conference championship game, you know, kind mm-hmm. of down at the two minute warning. That's not, that's not a bad season. It's not a failure of a season, but you look at this, this roster top to bottom and it's like, yeah, yeah. It should be there. they're very, we picked them to go to the super bowl before yeah. the season. Yeah. So that's, that's right, man. That, that's yeah. So we've got the super bowl coming up here. It is the Rams versus the Bengals. The Rams open as four point, four point favorites. What's interesting is I don't know how much of that takes into account the fact that the game is in Los Angeles. They get to play at home. Generally, a home being at home is worth three points in the NFL. But the tickets should be split, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a neutral site game, and the Rams aren't really at home. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I know that it's less than that, really, but I don't know by how much. Mm-hmm. Cleve, we're going to do a fuller preview next week, so you mm-hmm. do not have to stick to this. But your initial thought going into the Super Bowl, who wins, what's the score, who's the MVP? Um, I got Burrow and the Bengals winning, um, but a close game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be very dramatic. It's going to come down to um, maybe a possession. Score uh, 28-22. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, um, 28-22. Yeah, so like the team with 22 is driving and they, you know, take a sack on yeah. fourth down and the game's over yeah. or something. Like mm-hmm. yep. Yep. yep, something something dramatic like that, which which I like dramatic. For, um, I don't want to blow out because I, I don't want to see a team just get, mo- you know, I want to see a game. We got some exciting games in the last, you know, couple of weeks. I want to just keep that trend going. Jeff, do you have a thought far out who is going to win the Super Bowl? I don't have any thoughts, but I really want to have – an exciting game. I don't want to watch the Super Bowl and be just fucking bored. <laughs> so, well, like Pat, be a close Pat, Pat game. Rams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want a brutal. close game or I want like a come from behind victory. That's what I want. Um, so I'll just, I'll just say I, I want the Rams to win because I want uh, Matt Stafford to win a Super Bowl. He, he put it. And of course you have to root against the bungholes. Of course, have to have to root against the bungholes. Exactly. Actually, my, my dad yeah. called uh, minutes ago. I should have answered it, put him on speaker, but. <laughs> I can't Man. do that. That's a violation. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Flag on the play. They got to tell him at least. <laughs> right. It's been well established. By the way, if we have any sort of like Gen Z listeners, if you have somebody on speakerphone, you have to tell them they're on speakerphone. You can't just like answer yeah. the phone. That's a hot mic. They're on speaker. <laughs> that's the yeah, equivalent a of a hot mic. mic. That's a hot People mic. We're in trouble. Yeah. Right. You got to handle then, that. Don't get mad when you tell someone that they're on speaker and like, don't get offended. Like, what do you think I'm going to say? What do you think I'm going to do? No, it's just, 
<laughs> it's just it's so, yeah. it, it protects both parties because you could be somewhere where <laughs> you ain't you're not supposed to be and things get out you know out of hand or you just say hey you're you know, you're on speaker right that's like a that's a what? thing you got to say you're on speaker one step worse than that is putting them on speaker and then putting them on a podcast and then uh, publishing that worldwide. That would be one step worse. Yes, but it's See? not worse than having to root for the Browns. So from your dad's oh, point of view, he's been through worse. You're right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we got one. We got one more topic to hit on the show here uh, for this episode, and of course, it is the retirement of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So obviously. I don't like Tom Brady because he plays for the Patriots, but he did play for Michigan. I was at his last game for Michigan. January 1st, 2000 was wow. his last game for Michigan. It's been a long time. So I'm going to run down some accomplishments. I'm going to turn it over to Cleve because he's a Jets fan. They've competed against Tom Brady like 50 games at this point. Bad. So I'm going to run through the accomplishments and let Cleve give his opinions on his mortal enemy here. Mm-hmm. So Tom Brady has 10 Super Bowl appearances, seven wins. That's, I mean, that's nuts. We we see Mahomes here. He's hosted the AFC title game four years in a row. He's got two appearances and a win. Yeah. Like, just it, it, that is so unbelievable. He's a five-time Super Bowl MVP. He's a three-time league MVP, a 15-time Pro Bowl selection. And then this is a stat that blew my mind. He has 35 career playoff wins. That is more than 28 NFL franchises. There are only 32 franchises. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy, bro. Right like, there alone. He's his own franchise. Nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. Dude, the dude is his own island. Man. Wow. Well, Khalid, let us know what uh what do you have to say to Tom Brady here? Reflections, him out the door. What do you got? So so as 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 a sports fan, and, and I'll put this in the kind of layer. So I, I'm a sports fan, I'm I'm it's it's gonna be sad to see him go because uh, football is going to be weird um, come September without a Tom Brady sighting in any uniform, basically, because he he was such a fixture for a long time. You know, if someone was born like my daughter, my daughter's 27 years old. And I think I, t- I text you this today Dang. just to kind of. Yeah, I'm a pop. I'm a pop <laughs> pop, man. I'm, f- I'm 48 years old. And um, <laughs> and his career actually started when she was in kindergarten in the time that Tom Brady has played and to Dave's um, stat run just now, she had graduated middle school, graduated high school, served in the military for five years, got out of the military, produced two children. She has two children. (laughs) And in all of this time, he's been winning and 90%, 90%, it's actually like 89.9. So 90% of the time he terrorized my division where we we just would mark it as a loss. And I wouldn't even go to those games because I just know that we're going to get our asses kicked because it just was so bad. The Rex years were formidable, but Rex, when he went, he went four and 12 against him. You know what I'm it saying? Four and 12. That wasn't It wasn't even clear. close. You respected the guy enough that you wanted to go see him play just just to see like one of the greatest play football. 
you just said, fuck it. I don't want to. Yeah, because you know what it was? Because we we wouldn't have a chance. And it's like if we're going to be competitive in the game, that's different. But because we just going to just lay down and and Rex was a defensive coach throwing everything at this guy. And, you know, Belichick and Brady just did their thing. So I, I learned to respect it. Right. And then um, started to become a fan of his more or less because of the things um, not off the field, because he, he has some weird stuff off the field sometimes, but as a how he treated his players, all the many guys that played with him. And we saw a glimpse of that this year where he stays in the game to get his guys their bonus money. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, whether it's a, like they're a play away or, you know, a, a quarter away, whatever, like he stays in the, to do that. It's selfish of us to ask of someone I mean, he did everything that you could do in this game. There's nothing else to prove. There's nothing else for him to do. You know what I'm saying? So um, I wish him well in retirement. I hope that, you know, I, I can't see him as a broadcaster or or somebody like that around the game, but I'm pretty sure he's he's got himself lined up to do other things. But uh, the, it's definitely going to be different. But we got a lot of young new quarterbacks that I can enjoy for the next few years because the Herberts of the world, the Lamars of the world, Mahomes, I'm not even, hopefully the season was an outlier and he, he gets his shit together, but there's such a crop of players that we have coming in. Um, he's the last of the old guard. I think I heard someone say today that um, when a player's league, like leaving the league, they kind of look around at some of the guys they came in with or around the guys that came in with them. Tom, there's no one playing right now except for I think Mercedes Lewis. I think might be the only person playing right now that has been in the league as long as long or just as long as Tom Brady. That's crazy. He's playing against generate. He's he's beating next generation guys. That's crazy to me. Are there any players right now in the NFL that uh, were weren't born the on his first NFL game? Yes. and are now playing against him. Yes, Jamar Chase of the Bengals is 21. Jesus. Yeah, that's – bro, that's <laughs> – like, that, that, you know what it is crazy, Dave? Uh, you know, because we've we got the statistical numbers, but the stuff that's crazy is to – the life of an NFL player, right, even, even the really good ones can get cut short by a freak injury, you know, like the Bo Jacksons, you know. This guy, 22 seasons it, in football – not yeah. baseball. Baseball, that's normal. Like, that's a normal baseball career. Like, oh, 22 years, 25 years. That's great. 22 years in such a violent sport. And the guy's never, other than that one season where, you know, his knee got taken out, he's never really been injured. And um, even a bad season for them was like a 10-win season. Right. You know, like they won 10, yeah, 10, 11 games. That's a bad, that's a like, bad uh, season for this guy. Yeah, like um, Eminem said to uh, Machine Gun Kelly, my biggest flops are your greatest hits. As fans of the Lions and the Jets, we would love to have Tom Brady's worst seasons. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you know. And but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing um, the run. And did you, did you guys see that he went right to the box thanking them, but he did not thank the Patriots yet. Can say anything about the Patriots? Yet. Now, <laughs> that was like a head nod. I don't know if it's like because he thanked them when he made the switch to Tampa like two years ago. Or no, something, dude, but yeah. I mean, I mean, that's eighty percent, ninety percent of your career was with these guys. Twenty years with them, bro. Like that's, 
I mean, again, you know, you were shown the door for whatever reason you were shown the door. So, Man. you know, you what shouldn't take it out on the fans, but look what I, they did to my boy, what do they do to him? What do they do to him? <laughs> you know what it is, um, Jeff, when the game, okay. So in sports and I'll use boxing and football kind of interchangeably here, the ring retires some guys, right? I used to box the ring. Like when you just can't you, reflexes, aren't what they are. You just get beat. You can't hold up anymore. Right. He got to go out on his own terms. But I guess when he was with, with the Pats, it that didn't happen. You know, when they brought Jimmy in and that didn't go well, Giselle was like, get Jimmy out of here. And that happened. And then when he took he took a hometown dis, a hometown discount for, you know, to get players there, you know, I think it was Wes Welker or whoever to, to get them to play to sign those things. You know, again, you given so much that. He should have been given what he wanted to say. Well, you know what? If you want me to stay here, you guys got to bring in talent. And the Pats don't pay anybody, not name Brady. So you know they want you to play with what they got. But he he made he made the the amount of receivers before Mike Evans and 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 AB and Randy Moss I, and Wes. I can't name the other guys. Can you, Dave? So. No. Uh, what was what was what was his name? The guy who was like the MVP of the Super Bowl there early on. Uh, I can't remember. Tom Brady. Yeah, they're pretty interchangeable. Yeah, exactly. He threw it to himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only they always had like the slot white guy. So they had Wes Welker and then Julian Edelman. Yeah. Um, they always had like the tall downfield threat, which was Randy Moss, and then became Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. Mm-hmm. But by the end. They had none of them. He was literally throwing to Jacoby Myers. Yeah. And then literally a bunch of dust balls and traffic cones. Not even Demarcus Robinson. He would have mm-hmm. slapped his mother to have Demarcus Robinson on his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, you know, to, to accomplish all of that, I, I think, I think the, um, to come out of, um, to kind of come out of college with a, with a national championship and, what was that player that the San Francisco 49ers took in front of him? Or they, the, Oh man, oh, I should have looked this up. I should look up like the, the yeah. Brady 13 or whatever, the 13 quarter yeah. before him. Yeah. Oh, right? he had a right. funny that, name too. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> so the 199th pick in the sixth round, that's a career for anyone else to be like four years. And then we don't even know who the fuck you were. Right. 22 years later, with with that mount, the guy's gonna have his own wing in the Hall of Fame, and rightfully so, he should have his own wing. You walk through the bus, and his bus is in its own room with all his shit around it. <laughs> That's so, how I would do it. Chad Pennington. <laughs> it was not Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was the guy went to the Forty Niners. The guy oh, went to the Giovanni Forty- Carmazzi. Yes, that's yes. the guy. Hey, bappa de boopy, Giovanni yeah. Carmazzi. <laughs> The guy, the guy was so skittish, and they played each other in the preseason. Said he was skittish. Brady, Brady, yeah, he, they, I think, I think, um, Mooch said, "Oh my God, this is our draft pick." <laughs> like, like they, they, like they realized in the preseason game that, oh my God, we just set our franchise back a thousand years because <laughs> we picked this guy up, and again. Scouting comes in and be like, oh, this is the guy, whatever. I mean, we saw that with Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. How did that, how did that turn out? 
<laughs> how did that turn out? You know? Yeah, my uh, my enduring memory of Tom Brady is that his last game at Michigan was a win over Alabama. So that's how good he was. This, this is what I'm <laughs> saying. Bad. This is what Not I'm saying. Bad. Like, you know, for this guy to get to be picked 199th, sixth round, it's fucked up. I mean, he of course he's gonna have a chip. He's the guy that comes in, like how Jordan <laughs> Jordan did in the last dance, like just making shit up. You what you said about my mother and just torch a guy. Like I just said nothing about this guy's mom. Like what the fuck is wrong with him? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just Gatorade. Off. He gave me yellow and I took that personally. <laughs> you know, but no, I, but in all seriousness, um, you know, like I, it's hard to say greatest football player. I go with Dave sentiment that he's probably the greatest court. Um, sorry, the uh, most decorated quarterback but not the greatest quarterback because, you know, we have Montana. We have a lot of guys who can, who you can build an argument for, but when it comes to those stats, that's, he's bar none light, light years ahead of everyone else. But again, you know, he played the position and he played in a system that was, that let him flourish, but then he got out of that system, but he had, he, he had that in his DNA already. He had that in his, his skill set to go out and make and make guys win. Guys have to buy into a quarterback. And I think with Matt Stafford, once Jared Goff got out of there, these guys bought into Matt Stafford. And these guys are going to play for him in the Super Bowl. That's why I want it to be a good game because of a career arc. And this is against any all the Lions fans. He didn't, des- Matt Stafford didn't deserve that because I had to come to, a realization one time talking to Dave, I'm like, wow, this guy is actually really good. The team is yeah. not good. He's right. really good. And like, he's in wasteland here. And I'm like, at some point they need to build around this guy, you know? But like I said, you know, whoever gets it, it's a good, it's a great story. Cause Joe Burrow two years in, you know, great. Matt Stafford is it's, it's his redemption story because he's beat. He, Look who he beat to get to where they got. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. He, beat some good, he beat some good names. You've got to be a good leader too, right? Yeah. So absolutely. shouldn't, shouldn't um, Matt Stafford have been building up those around him in Detroit? So you think he's going to lose the Super Bowl because of that? No. He, see, so here's the thing. And I, and I said this misguided a couple weeks ago about, oh, he's a loser. He's He's been a lion. Misguided, misguided. I got my hands crushed in the windowsill for it. <laughs> right fingers smashed, Tommy Jerry style. Um, <laughs> that's visual, right? But the, but the thing is, Dave, 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 Dave said, Dave said it earlier, right? How many comeback wins did this guy have to pull off? Just you know, literally playing. You know, for nothing, knowing that the season, like we're not going to advance to anywhere, but I want to win this game because he's, 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 you know, he's the leader of the team. You know what I'm saying? So, so I got to say about it, man, you know, it's going to be different, but again, I'm, I'm excited about the new crop of quarterbacks and the new crop of players. The NFL will move on, but uh, it's going to be different without Tom. Definitely going to be different. Uh, To the Matt Stafford point, Jeff, I would say that Matt Stafford, came into the Lions. He was the first overall pick the year after they went 0-16. And he took them to the playoffs three times in 10 years. And by Lions standards, that is amazing. <laughs> Might as well be a Super Bowl. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I think that he elevated the organization pretty much as much as, as he possibly could have. 
And so, like, that's why it's um, not really on him, their struggles after that, as we're seeing now with him with the Rams. As it relates back to Tom Brady, Tom Brady also elevates everybody around him. And he got to go to the Patriots and Bill Belichick and creepy Robert Kraft as an owner, but dedicated to winning. And so it worked out. If Tom Brady had been drafted by the Lions, I don't think he's winning seven Super Bowls. <laughs> or the Jets. <laughs> or the Jets, bro. It, it, I, I had a um I had a post two years ago. No, the year that they won, I'm sorry, the year that the Bucks won, I put a post on Instagram. It was Tom in the Jets uniform. And I said, I said, all right, now boss level, do this, and you're the man. And everyone just laughed at that. <laughs> I mean, show me your grade, bro. Come here and do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you, you went to Tampa Bay and won with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah. Good job. Good job. With, Go with, come here. Come here with no one. Come here with no one and do it, man. It's, so to wrap up, to wrap up the show here, I um I have a trivia question. Uh, either of you guys can jump in and answer if you think you know the answer. I'll mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just retire right now do not sell yourself short you might actually know the answer to this you might the 2021 the 2021 Bengals are the second team to go to the super bowl two years after winning three games or fewer who's the last and only team to ever do this they go to the super bowl and then they won three or fewer games two years before No, 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 no. Hold up. That question. So wait a minute. They win a super. They win a Super Bowl. The no, only Super Bowl went, went to Bengals have oh, one year. And the other team yeah, went out of one year. Because Boomer Boomer took them to the Super Bowl. Boomer right. Tyson. Yes, but they okay. did not win three games two years before that. So the Bengals won three games in 2019 because mm-hmm. they got Joe Burrow. Right yeah. now, two years later in the Super Bowl, what team in history went to the Super Bowl? And they had only won three or fewer games two years before. All right. One lifeline. Is it AFC or NFC? NFC. And NFC. it's interesting because people actually forget this about this team. Because they only think of this team as being good. You mentioned the quarterback's name discussing other great quarterbacks with Tom Brady. Oh, the, oh, the 49ers? The 81 49ers. People oh, forget they won two games in 1979. Because we think about yeah. the 80s 49ers, they're always good. They're this yeah. dynasty. They yeah. win. Yeah. They were puke garbage and mm-hmm. flipped it around quick. No reason to think the Bengals can't do the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And if the Bengals can do it, the Lions, the Jets, and the Browns can do it. Let's go. <laughs> we did it in 69, bro. We did it in 69. Okay. I, <laughs> You have to stop citing the Jets winning the Super Bowl for black people. Hey, man. I don't know that. Hey, man. <laughs> when they show like franchises that got a chip, we're we're there, dude. Like we have a chip. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Please, we got a name, chip. Can you name three players on that team that aren't Joe Namath? Snell, Robert. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Don Maynard. Those right. are two givens. Can you give me one more? <laughs> Um, I mean, I wasn't alive, so I wouldn't know. This is the year after after MLK got murdered, so probably don't know. 
That is, that is correct uh, on all counts. It is the first Super Bowl <laughs> after the assassination of uh, Dr. King. Don't know how it lets you off the hook for not knowing who was on the team. <laughs> like, were you stressed at negative five or whatever? I, I was reaching for something, dude. I, I reached <laughs> All I could see is Joe Willie so, so slurring. You're, you are basically blaming James Earl Ray for you not being able to name any players on your side. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Man. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's political football for this week. Absolutely. Um, real quick, <laughs> my my favorite person, just looking through the roster real quick, my favorite guy's name, Emerson Boozer. Yeah. <laughs> em- dude, that's the dopest football name. And he's standing next to Joe drying out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Emer- Emerson Boozer actually is Joe Namath's uh, alias when he checks into hotels. <laughs> is, that like Rob- is that like Rob Mexico for Mike Vick? Yes, exactly. Yeah, shows up to the clinic. Uh, Emerson Boozer, your herpes test is ready. Oh my god! Dude. Allegedly, yeah, you were doing, doing the hour podcast back in two thousand four. Michael Vick would go get his STD test and use the name Ron Mexico. Mexico. Did you know that, Jeff? Is, is that real? It's yeah. Real. Look up I the name Ron Mexico. Around. No, no, Ron no. That's Me- that's a. Yeah, I don't know why he picked Ron Mexico, but and this is before cool. the other stuff. This is before the dog fight. Yeah, and all way that. before all that shit. Dude. Oh, like there's is a that um, why there are Ron Mexico jerseys. Jerseys, yes. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. They still sell those. Holy shit! I should get one. Ron Mexico. <laughs> Tell women that I'm Ron Mexico. Get it for the like the background of the the show here, the audio podcast. We can hang in the background so nobody ever knows. Nobody ever yeah. knows. That. Jeff, uh, look that up. It's a very intriguing story, man. Ron Mexico. That's when um, what's the name was the coach? Um, the kid of uh, what's his face? Playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mora, Jim Mora Jr. Yeah, yeah, Jim Mora Jr. They, that's when they called my coach killer. Mike was a coach killer, man. I just have uh, flashbacks from my ex-wife getting dragged on Facebook by Dave about Michael Vick. Oh. Dare, dare do I, I oh ask? Man, I feel like dare I do don't I remember ask what her dumb opinion was? <laughs> but so, I'm sure it was dumb. <laughs> so I'm just gonna just real quick because I don't want it to seem like I was defending Michael Vick. Um, I was kind of defending Michael Vick, but not like his actions or like he shouldn't have been arrested or shouldn't have been convicted or anything like that. She was basically trying to compare some of these other like scumbag white players and politicians that have gotten away with things with Michael Vick. And I was trying to say like, don't do that. Michael Vick actually got convicted. He went to prison. He did his time. He went to like Leavenworth. he's supposed to be like. <laughs> he went to Leavenworth, bro. Like, right. So real like, jail. So like we're supposed to, when people get out of prison and be like, they've done their time. We're supposed yeah, to try to welcome yeah. them back into society. It's supposed to be re- rehabilitation. Yeah. If we continue to punish them after that, then what really is the point of it? So that's yeah. what I was trying to say. It wasn't like to defend Michael Vick's actions. I mean, absolutely horrible, yeah. of course. But he, through our system, did everything he was supposed to do and yeah, then get lost. back. So he shouldn't be compared to like Ben Roethlisberger, who oh, never man. got charged with anything. Only, right? Don't get me started, bro. To... <laughs> Don't get me started. The, the Big <laughs> yeah. Ben thing is atrocious, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. And by the way, something, this is a little subject change, uh, Something that you did mention earlier, Dave, is the um, I just saw that Jim, the firing of Jim Caldwell is mentioned in part of Brian, Brian Flores's lawsuit. Oh, 
Wait a minute. On the, uh, on the Detroit so, Lions subreddit. So that's interesting because Caldwell's last year, he went nine and seven with the Lions and then got fired. That's interesting because you don't normally get fired for going nine and seven. You don't normally get fired for going nine and seven with downtrodden, awful franchises like the Lions. But on the other hand, Jim Caldwell sucks. So like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but my counter you know, to that day is 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 the Chargers firing Marty Schottenheimer for going <laughs> the year after he went twelve and whatever it was. Uh, he Remember went fourteen and two, but there's two fourteen and two. There's two key differences. Marty Schottenheimer is white and had like forty seven coaching jobs in the NFL. <laughs> So I don't think we're going to cite him posthumously in this lawsuit. Jim Caldwell, who I call Grandpa Freeman from the Boondocks, uh, Jim Caldwell deserved to get fired. The thing is, the Lions replaced him with Matt Patricia, who was clearly not qualified enough or more qualified than Jim Caldwell. Isn't so he to me, it might be who they replaced him with. Wasn't he a rocket scientist or some shit? Matt Patricia? Yeah, who cares? No, no, I, no, I'm saying, I'm like, was he like a genius or some shit? I don't know if he's a, he, Fuck, he yeah, he's like MIT an or some shit. Uh, Matt Patricia, not Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell is not a rocket scientist by any stretch, let me tell you. Uh, but Matt Patricia, I think, is supposed to be smart, but he's also an asshole. And he's the type of stupid that is. Hey, show up any guy that has a pencil in his ear, fucking, he's smart. Fuck that. <laughs> fucking smart guy. Adds 20 <laughs> IQ points, the pencil in the ear. Exactly, bro. <laughs> The lawsuit says in his first year, the team went 11 and five talking about the Lions of a four game improvement from the previous year. Lions fell seven to nine in 2015, but rebounded to nine and seven in 2016 and made it to the playoffs. There's a little more. The Lions were nine and seven against uh, again in 2017, but missed the playoffs. Thus, Mr. Caldwell had three winning seasons in four years. One of the uh, for one of the historically worst franchises in the NFL. So that lawsuit were mentioned in the lawsuit as one of the. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Fitting. Fitting. Hey, but before we go, riddle me this, Dave. The, the counter again could be Marvin Marvin Lewis with the Bengals. It went like 15 years, right? Yeah, but the the but Marvin Lewis was very successful for the Bengals. He was like the best they had since Sam Weish or whatever. But he's and never got a job. Lewis. He's never got a job after that. He's never got a job after that. Well, yeah, he should have been fired from the Bengals like halfway through that tenure. I think the owner of the Bengals didn't give a shit. They were turning a profit. He literally didn't care. I mean, guys were getting arrested like left and right. That was the Pac-Man yeah. Jones era. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't think he cared in that case. It is interesting to cite Caldwell in this lawsuit, especially because the lawsuit, they want to make it class action. So I wonder if Caldwell will will join it. Testify. Yeah, join up. Also, the yeah. enemy has not been hired yet. They said he doesn't interview well. What does that mean? Like what's that black. code for? No, no. What is that? Is that code for him being black, or is that what is that code for? Well, I so I think it's code for the fact that he is black and like will tell these white people what it is. Like, hey, this is why your team sucks. This GM doesn't know what he's doing. You drafted these shitty players. I'm going to come in and fix it. And he's talking to like the all white panel, and they're like, I don't know if we like him talking to us like that. And they're just flabbergasted. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh. <laughs> Or an African American would speak to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just increasing their donations to the GOP immediately. That's crazy. I know yeah, the books I, he's read yeah, and banned them. Yeah, they, they always say that he doesn't interview well. I don't need, I don't, like I said, if I'm interviewing a head coach, and I've said this numerous times on this show, that 
in addition to all the character stuff, you know, how do you deal with players? You know, what's your mm-hmm. philosophy? Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Like we're going to give you down in distance in scenarios and you're going to walk us through what you're going to do here. And if we don't get the right situations, there's the door, buddy, because you're not going to coach this team. I just think, I mean, I know from personal experience, but less experience uh, than most of my fellow brothers and sisters that just being unapologetically black and proud of it in generally white spaces can make you seem off to the white people, even even if they are not actively, consciously, you know, discriminatory, awful. It just it's uncomfortable in like like when we get on the subway to go home from work. And like somebody gets on and is like talking to themselves and muttering and marching back and forth up and down the aisle. It's uncomfortable in that situation. They're not actually wrong or harming anybody. It just makes us feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for us to forget sometimes that this entire society is designed to make white people feel comfortable. So if Eric Bieniemy shows up and he's just, he's just himself and he doesn't like, pander or alter anything for them he won't interview well Mm -hmm. and nobody will put a finger on it don't be able to be like he doesn't interview well because he makes me uncomfortable because he's just being so black right it's just like i don't like it he makes me feel bad he makes me feel uncomfortable i don't like his energy i'm not i'm not vibing with him I, i want somebody else and then they go hire clarence thomas or something and they're like see that wasn't the problem in the first place see here's Here's my thing, man. And this is like the, the don't interview well thing, because in my like I said, in my world, um, being a boss and being responsible for millions of dollars of of investors money and stuff like that. If I'm interviewing staff and I've, I, I, for one, love the interview process. I love going to interviews and I love being the interviewer. Right. And I've interviewed 100 people that I could say some were very memorable and some weren't. And when I say someone is, that doesn't interview well, what it, what it comes down to, and this is just me speaking for how I process this and how I do this is that when I'm asking you questions about the work space and you're like, you're either talking to me, like not looking at me or you're talking to me around, like around it, like just answer the question that doesn't interview well versus someone's who's going to come in and be like, well, here we go. And, and they go through like a myriad of things that they would do like problem in, in the, in the world that I work in problem solving is not the actual like solving the problem, but it's showing you the steps to do it, to say, okay, this is what I would do. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Because my approach is, when someone interviews, they're nervous, right? Who knows if Eric Bieniemy goes in there and is is a, a fucking stuttering, you know, maniac. He's you know he's just like you know he's you know they're sitting like you said, he's sitting in like a round table situation and and guys are firing questions at him, and he's just trying to answer and he's just trying to like you know whatever like it's like a Senate grilling, right? Some people can do that. 
I can't, I wouldn't be able to survive. I interview well and I can speak to investors about, but a Senate grilling, I probably couldn't survive one. Uh, I yourself immediately. Yeah, I would be the guy like, like, do I say something uh, here? No, never met him. (laughs) Yeah, and they show a picture of you and the guy on the yacht. You're like, oh, great. Yeah, that (laughs) night. (laughs) But in short, um, I don't, I don't discount like you what you just said about being yourself because you should be yourself. You're going to work for something and people are going to work for you. You don't want to be this fake phony guy or whatever. But I think when, when someone says don't interview well, then they have to say what he doesn't do well in the interview. You know, like when Gruden used to have the quarterbacks who were coming into the league, like Cam Newton, and get on like the big board. And these guys could not regurgitate back plays and stuff like, cause Cam, if you remember, Cam didn't like, he didn't do well on that. If you go back to the video, he couldn't regurgitate back. And then you had some guys that went up there and like, that weren't great quarterbacks on the field, but they had the mind. So when someone said about Cam and, um, and, and Mac Jones, I didn't dismiss it because I remember the Gruden camp where, camps admitted to Gruden that they don't run that type of offense. They let him the, gave him the freedom. Auburn gave him the freedom to do what he did. Same thing for McNabb in Philly. Like they simplified stuff for him because of maybe where he played in Syracuse, like the, that, that conference or whatever. But when someone doesn't interview well, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't know what, but maybe how they present it, maybe how they package it and it doesn't come off well. So I, I, I agree, and I think we're saying the same thing. What yeah, I'm saying are. is I don't think Eric Bieniemy interviews poorly. I think that the way that he is is not perceived well by the people in the room. Right? Gotcha. You know, because if Eric, because the thing is, like, when I go to a job interview, you know, and they're like, hey, Dave, you want a hotel concierge for us? I'm like, yeah, but we're going to do this Black Lives Matter stuff, and we're going to do this, like, because it doesn't matter. It's like, can you concierge? Yeah, I'm really good at it. Okay, boom, you're hired, right? But for this, where you're like the face of the organization and your personality matters, he probably just goes as himself. And you can imagine me show up to be head coach of an NFL team being in an interview. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not not saying anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, so what do you think that, you know, what are some of your charitable things you should be doing? Like, it's all going to be black focused. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, when they're like, what schools should we do? I'm going to find the schools with the heaviest black populations and be like, we're going here first, right? Like, and that could just not sit well with some of these older, whiter people who, like I'm saying, like, even in this case, they don't need to be necessarily actively discriminatory. They might even realize that that is what is putting them off of him. But he is too demonstrably good as an offensive coordinator at this point. Mm-hmm to not have gotten an opportunity somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree with that, especially when they're recycling some guys that didn't do shit. Um, so real quick before we go, cause we're going way over here. Do you, would you guys be opposed to having like before the draft, having like a coach's draft where it's just resumes like that are, it's like how the players have to have their, you know, their, their highlight reel or their, their accomplishments or whatever they've done put up put up on a screen and then the teams get to draft a coach it, are the resumes blind you can see their names yeah yeah no no faces whatever you just you know you just see like the name is like you know mike smith and mike smith went to this college he has a degree in this 
his coaching philosophy is this. He, um, he led, he led his team to a, you know, four winning seasons and a conference championship, or he won two national like, like Saban would obviously be like the Tom Brady in this draft. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if he was going into the league, but like to, to do something like that, where these guys, if you are the worst team in the league, you get the best coach. Right. So like, you know, if, if, the Jags got killed this year and the Jets did too. So like you guys will have your first, like you guys are first to pick and it's the best coach. The best coach would have to go to that number one pick. Right. But then everyone else can draft their coach can say, okay, on the board, we have Mike Smith and we have fuzzy Weller and we have (laughs) this guy and that guy. (laughs) Fuzzy Weller was actually defensive back in the 1969 New York Jets. Wasn't he? Wasn't Fuzzy Weller the fucking guy that said Tiger Woods should be eating fried chicken at the fucking Masters? Is that Fuzzy Weller? That's Zeller. Fuzzy Fuzzy. Zeller. Zeller. Fuzzy yeah. Zeller. Yeah. Yes, but he did in fact say that Tiger Woods should be eating fried chicken at the Masters or something to that. Uh, to that effect. And now he's actually a consultant for the Jets, and they're not hiring the enemy. Yeah. See that? Look at God. Wow. <laughs> If there's if there's white supremacy and he thinks just looking at a picture of this guy and he's a white supremacist, man, that's the best they got. Yeah. Oh fuzzy. man, yeah. Fuzzy Zeller is not a not really a champion uh, of anything. And terrible takes too. I mean, like, first of all, don't say racist shit about people. Second, do not say it about the best player in the game. At yeah, the at the time, yeah, at, yeah. Are you he kidding was, me? Yeah, he was. He was like, that's when Tiger was Tiger, bro. Seriously. Right. Like that's <laughs> that's that would literally be like saying something about Lewis Hamilton right now. Like, what are you doing? Knock it off. Lewis Hamilton's a race car driver, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. His his name is Frank Urban Zeller, and he goes by Fuzzy. That's just, Fuzzy. Yeah, it's great. Right. It's a golfer. It's a golfer. All right, so you could cut this show when Dave said that's political football because all this after <laughs> shit just didn't really. No, matter. I know, I love it. I love it's that we get along. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. keep it in, off, keep uh, it in, keep it in. No, no, because we, yeah, we talked uh, about how the, how this whole coaching thing is, and and in closing, for me, if there's any truth to, um, John John Elway showing up an hour late to an interview, that's egregious. Hungover. But then showing up hungover, like it goes to show you how. Seriously, they're taking these taking these interviews for some of these candidates, bro. That's that's fucked up. That that if I'm Brian Flores, like he must have really wanted that job because I'm like, you know what? This guy has no respect for me. And if he's gonna do this to me now, if he if they hire me, I wonder what what it would be. That's crazy, bro. Wait some an hour, then show up probably like, oh, had a couple of Harvey Wall bangers. <laughs> so, so a couple of I had a couple of fuzzy zellers, and it really. Put me <laughs> Oh man. Oh, shit. oh man. Great. So Jeff, let's say that John Elway was making a black candidate wait for him to show up and he had an hour to kill and he wanted to listen to a really funny podcast. Which podcast should he listen to? And where could he find it? I believe he should listen to uh political football and it's on uh, Spotify <laughs> and uh, Apple podcasts. <laughs> I think it's nah. weird that you asked me my opinion about the Super Bowl, but not my opinion about racial racial bias in the NFL. Ooh, good so, one, okay, good fair enough. Give me give, give me your opinion on racial bias in the NFL. 
here's my opinion. Uh, this is the case where white people should just shut their mouth and listen. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's why that. I didn't ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, we we agree, sir. That is why that is why I didn't ask you your opinion in the first place. Oh man, because literally yes. I don't care. Um, uh, also, like you would not even be anywhere near this show if you had a problematic opinion on it, anyways. Right. So, so just your just your mere presence near this podcast should indicate to the entire audience that you are not going to be like, well, maybe Bianca me just needs to know how to talk better. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hey, iron a shirt. Iron a shirt. I had a guy come in that didn't iron a shirt. And I'm like, like, man, like that says a lot that you don't even care, dude. And you smell like scotch because you're wearing scotch by wasted. It's seven o'clock. We're hiring John Elway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seriously, we're wrapping this up. This is gone. This is gone uh 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 long enough already. We'll be back next week. Some Super Bowl preview stuff, probably an update on this uh on this lawsuit, breaking down the game. Uh, Producer Jeff, thanks again for helping us out here. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jeff. Co-host of the Hour Pod. Jeff, where did they find the Hour Pod? Uh, Search the Hour Pod on Google. One word. What's the... Pop uh, right up. Give it a listen. I'm telling you guys. Hilarious. Yeah. What's the... uh... What's the story this week? I got to listen. I got to listen tomorrow. It's the the brawl at Golden Corral. Oh, that's the the one? Yeah. So that really happened. Like you want yeah, fucking that, around. No, that really happened. Yeah. That really fucking happened. Out of it was, it, it was Philly of fan, of course. It was where? Philly. 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 Okay. I'm guessing a lot of those people uh, uh, can't really pivot either. So if you just, if you're in a brawl with them and they, they start coming after you, just like fake left and go right and you'll be fine. So like golden fighting Cor- a bunch of hippos. So, 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 so there's a golden corral above the Mason Dixon. That's great, bro. Holy shit. Yeah. Another yeah, I, of my dadisms. My dad calls the Golden Corral the slop and trough. Slop and trough. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Browns. That's it. Would you rather <laughs> eat awesome. would you rather eat in a Golden Corral or a Denny's? Oh, Denny's. Denny's easily. Sir, we are from Michigan. Denny's. We will eat at Denny's just because I've never I've never eaten at Denny's in my life. Really? What? There's yeah, only a never, chance that like maybe three people would have sneezed on your food at a Denny's. <laughs> So the Golden Corral is out for me. Denny's <laughs> is what you get if Waffle House won the Civil War. <laughs> All right, and that with that, we will see you folks. Or, you'll hear us next week. Super Bowl preview, everything else, political football. See you later. Peace.